Today on our recording, Podcasterian, we bring you cartoons, all Shakespearean. Stayeth tuned. I'm never going to do that again. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling and animation, and in this case, Shakespearean references. I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Leva. There we go. There was a, it was a dramatic pause to fit with our theme for the day. <laughs> so today, we're talking Shakespeare, which is a favorite topic of both Chris and I. Um, although it's kind of hard to unite. Not, not that hard. It's not something you'd expect to have Shakespeare and cartoons united into one podcast. But here we are doing it anyway. Well, I, I believe that as two playwrights, speaking mm-hmm. about animation, it was an inevitable. Inevitable. Yes, thank you. An inevitability that these two shall come together, much like Romeo and Juliet, perhaps. They, but they don't. They don't. That's the point of the play. They don't come together. Don't tell me what the point of Romeo and Juliet is. I was talking about the inevitable <laughs> that happens in Romeo and Juliet. Everything is inevitable. That's all. They die. That's all I'll say about that. That's the inevitable part? Okay. Spoilers. Hashtag spoilers. <sighs> Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Juliet. Yeah. Hashtag a little bit sorry. Um, <laughs> so the bard. Let's talk about why he's such a good fit for cartoons. Because Shakespeare, um, if you're not familiar with him, um, made up a lot of good words, as we do in cartoons and comedy as a whole. Um, it has a major influence on language and literature and this funny animals. I think I wrote that in the notes, but I'm not sure why I wrote that. Are there funny animals I, in Shakespeare? I think it's mostly the bear. The pursued oh, oh, by I was bear. going bottom who gets thrown into a donkey in Midsummer Night's Dream. That's what I'm thinking. The, uh, he's the prototype for Bojack Horseman. His, he is. His bottom he is. from Midsummer Night's Dream is the prototype of a man with a body but with the head of a horse. Head of an ass. I I understand. I was that's the precursor the I'm thing that, we're being we're being correct. Um, technically correct. Yes. The best kind of correct. <laughs> uh, so with Shakespeare, you can do a lot with that because it's such a part of pop culture now. You can either parody Shakespeare, you can make an allusion to Shakespeare, you can name drop Shakespeare. Um, one thing that comes to mind is there was um, the people made Animaniacs. Animaniacs? Animaniacs <laughs> went on to make um, uh, what was the name of their sequel show? Um, not really a sequel. Um, it was with the the babies and they sing. What are you talking about? I'm gonna look it up. Uh, babies and they sing. What are you? Uh, oh, are you, oh, oh! Wait, I think are you talking about hysteria? Yeah, hysteria theater or whatever they are, and um, yes. Yeah, so hysteria, and they do a song that is like, "Here are the plots of all forty Shakespeare plays," and they go on to do it, and it, it's kind of like a name drop at that point. Like we're a cartoon show that makes fun of history. Let's do this. Um, and there are other shows. I don't think that Time Squad ever did a Shakespeare episode, but if they did. I feel like that'd be more of a parody than a name drop or an illusion. The easy thing about Shakespeare is 
everyone should have an idea, even if you haven't read the plays, of what certain things are about. They're so pervasive in the culture that if we say Romeo and Juliet, if you haven't watched or read Romeo and Juliet, or you know, been through ninth grade English, um, ninth grade. Well, neat. that's when that's when I was put on to it. That's when I was. That's when we studied it. Um, in terms of uh, like officially studied it. Anyway, mm-hmm. if you haven't been through that, saying the names Romeo and Juliet you're able to conjure things out of pop culture because it's been so prevalent. So you have an idea on what happens in, in it and can make certain assumptions about it based on simply hearing those two names. Like you have an idea on it, whether it's the balcony scene, whether it's that they die together, whether it's the feuding families, there's enough there and that there are hypercharged names. So when you go into something called like Nomeo and Juliet, you're probably bringing some cultural knowledge with you to that. Wow, nicely done bringing out Nomeo and Juliet. Goodness. Which I ain't never seen before, but I know the plot for. Uh, it is actually not as bad as you would imagine it to be. I think a lot of it comes from the uh, Elton John music that that comes into it. It's mostly... Done through it's Elton. An Elton John movie musical. Well, they use Elton John songs in a Moulin Rouge adaptation-ish kind of way to tell their story about Nomeo and Juliet from two separate yards. I okay. again, I will say, I will say, <laughs> it's not nearly as bad as uh, it sounds. So it's. It's not, I was surprised that it got made, It, but it is still, again, it's still pretty good. I mean, has Kevin Klein in there, which is fun. James McAvoy's in it. Michael Caine's in there. But, but today we're not talking yeah, about very no loosely Juliet, based. It's a comedy. So there's, we're not, we're not, we're not, but I just, it, anyway, it, it's. I'm just getting to these names are hypercharged. Yeah, that's all. That's that's the point I'm trying to make. Is it's mm-hmm. shorthand. Everything can be now shorthand. So if we say King Lear, if we say Macbeth, if we mm. say certain names, they come. I don't think you could do history. King Lear. I know, but in certain certain places you might be able to. Like I think Hamlet is even pushing it a little bit. I think you can do Romeo and Juliet. Macbeth and uh, Julius Caesar. Brutus. Yeah, everyone could get those. And then Midsummer, Hamlet. Those are all kind of, and maybe the Tempest, they're all kind of like pushing it with pop culture. And then I think, oh, and Othello's in there too, but that's complicated for other reasons. Right. Um, and then King Lear, I think you could name drop that and adults would get it. But I don't think that kids would really get it. True. It's not enough in pop culture yet, although I think it will be. That's a separate conversation, but I think King Lear is the new it thing in Shakespeare. And uh, then there's things like Pericles, no one would get a reference to. 
Right. Like you listening to this podcast right now, just learning that Pericles is a Shakespeare play. <laughs> You're making a lot of assumptions about our audience. I know some of them will know Pericles. Some of them, I'm some sure. Yeah. So I'm more making assumptions about the poor quality of Pericles as a piece of literature. I see. So leave it in the unread section of the complete works of Shakespeare volumes that are out there. Yeah. Yeah. Buy your, your Riverside Shakespeare, your Norton Shakespeare is a just read like 30 of the 40 plays and skipping 10 is fine. I'm not going to ask you which 10, but, uh, I could probably name them. Off the top of that. <laughs> so Shakespeare, I think for us as a culture, it's just something that we have worldwide it's like the newer myths so it's something that we could reach for and have as a shared cultural knowledge to draw from i'm gonna go western worldwide sure i think there are concepts in shakespeare that don't translate as well not just the language but my fun shakespeare fact which is um I promised I would share it before we recorded this episode. Um, Hamlet was never done in Japan until the early 1900s, just because Hamlet as an idea didn't translate into Japanese culture. Because in Japan, you have all sorts of names for different types of ghosts, and they're all specifically good or evil. There are no ambiguous ghosts like there are in Hamlet. So it's a concept that just didn't work. For that culture. Yeah. So I think some things are getting more global, but like... So we should say it more like Western culture, Shakespeare. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a like a Western culture is better kind of way. It's not. It's not. That's just the pop culture system that we live in and are podcasting in. Draw from the Western world a little bit heavier. Yeah. That, I mean, Not that a value sense. judgment. Yeah. No, it's not a value judgment at all. Um, I will say, though, I think that... I will say one thing about Shakespeare currently is that I feel like we can find newer myths to draw from and allow Shakespeare plays to be done slightly less frequently. That's all I'm going to say Marlo, about that. Great guy, just saying. Same time. I'm. I know, but I'm just saying as you know, maybe we can perform newer plays possibly to find a newer heritage and jumping off point and leave Shakespeare to be done. He's an important pivot point in our society and our culture and is important, but you know, maybe just fewer productions. But here's the thing though, and this is kind of tangential to today, but that's all because of public domain law. Because we have nothing new entering the public domain, there's nothing new for people to choose from. So you're stuck with Frankenstein and um, Dracula and Shakespeare. Well, that's true. But that's in terms of doing your own thing and riffing, you know, doing a, a remix of that. What do we have we in our culture to do remixes, adaptations from, pull from, grab characters from wholesale so that way we could actually do them? If we had public domain, we could be doing... Superman and Batman. Everyone could do Superman and Batman. Didn't wasn't there a playwright that did a Superman play? Yeah, but that's I think probably falls under like the the guise of 
parody at that point. Man and Superman. Was that something? Uh, that's not the same thing. That's not the same Superman. Oh, it's not? No. I totally read that wrong then. Okay. George Bernard Shaw. 30 years before Superman as we know him. It's about the Nietzschean concept of Superman. Also, now we're on a tangent of a tangent. <laughs> Bringing it back to Oh, no. Yeah, where's Chris O'Dowd in all this? He needs to save us from ourselves at this point. <laughs> Chris O'Dowd saves those who save themselves. <laughs> oh, no. So, so, cartoons, gargoyles, my favorite. Um, we are going with... Um, Oh, no, I gave us the wrong homework last time. I'm just realizing this. So, originally, I'd planned on talking about Macbeth as a character, because Macbeth is a character in Gargoyles. Great guy, love him, super complicated. Perhaps even too complicated for one episode of a podcast. So, I've edited my selection down to instead, here's a surprise, um, Gargoyles Season 2, Episode 5, The Mirror, instead. Okay. So if you watch Macbeth, oh darn, you got to see some good Macbeth episode. Great. <laughs> um, but we can't really talk about Macbeth without talking about like six episodes of Macbeth and Gargoyles. But I think that's a good jumping off point for taking a character in a sense wholesale from Shakespeare and what they do and using the different parts of him from the play and using him in the story of something completely new. Mm -hmm. So let's start off with gargoyles as a concept. And we get a little bit of what gargoyles is in that really epic title sequence of gargoyles uh, that happens. So good. Where Wh Keith David tells you everything. <laughs> what <laughs> is gargoyles, Mackenzie? Uh, gargoyles is amazing is what it is. Gargoyles <laughs> is life. Um, gargoyles is... Disney making a Batman the Animated Series knockoff that took on a life of its own. Um, and it's about these... It takes these fantasy slash horror concept, the gargoyles, the stone gargoyles, which are stone at, during the day and alive at night. Uh, it takes this myth and makes it its own thing. So unlike Frankenstein or Shakespeare, which we've done over and over and over again, it's borrowing from past pop culture, but something that hasn't been overly done. And it brings to life this whole mythology around gargoyles and what those are, but also presupposes that a lot of this myth, air quotes, is real in history, uh, like Merlin and Arthur and uh, the plots of Shakespeare plays. And so part of it is as a recurring villain who's not really in this episode at all, um, but Macbeth is the main example of Shakespeare references in gargoyles because just Macbeth from the play Macbeth is alive in modern day New York and this technologically savvy like super thief go it writes itself somehow um specifically though in the mirror because they've established Macbeth as a character they're like well what else from shakespeare might be real and so season two episode five of the mirror is about puck and introducing puck from a midsummer night's dream into the world of the gargoyles we already have a magical world where gargoyles come to life um why not bring in a magical fairy from mm -hmm. a shakespeare play and bring them in as if Shakespeare was a playwright writing only history plays. So I suppose if we imagine that every play that Shakespeare wrote had an ounce of history in it, 
and took mm-hmm. that as our jumping off point that Shakespeare only wrote things that happened. And this, um, this episode actually sets off a whole arc of season two and essentially the plot is about Oberon and Titania from Midsummer Night's Dream and the fairy um, king and the fairy queen. And they're, they're gathering up all their fairy children. Um, and so the weird sisters from Macbeth are villains and have to do with Macbeth. And there's a whole like five episode arc flashback about Macbeth and what happened to him and the weird sisters that retells the plot of Macbeth in Gargoyle's world. Um, and then of course, uh, there's also Goliath's brother is the plot of Othello and they even take out the names of Othello, Iago and Desdemona trapped inside this cyborg digital world where they're fighting for control of a body. Um, but this is our first introduction to Puck and Demona, not Desdemona, Demona, one of the arch villains of the show, steals this magic mirror and summons forth Puck, this fairy, and introduces the world to what Puck is. And us, if you've never read a Shakespeare play before watching this cartoon. Um, and it, I think, captures and adapts the spirit of Puck perfectly. Hmm. The mischievous nature of Puck, the uh, mm-hmm. renegade Puck, the uh, almost deliberately making mistakes Puck. Mm-hmm. Like, oops. Uh, absolutely deliberately making mistakes. I didn't mean to make those people fall in love. I meant to make those people. Whoops. <laughs> Sorry. Totally well, this- mistook that person for the person you meant. It's totally genie in the lamp syndrome. Um, essentially, um, Puck comes out of the mirror and Demona wishes that there were no more humans on the island of Manhattan. And so Puck says, oh yeah, I can do that. And instead of making all the humans go away, turns them all into gargoyles. So now there are no more humans. There are only gargoyles. All gargoyles. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's totally um, the mischief. Let me take you at your literal word. And uh, what you said, I will make happen, but not what you meant. I. Now, it's always fuzzy whether Puck is just uh, mischievous or if he's inept in the ter- in the play, Midsummer Night's Dream. It's, it's not ambiguous here. Not ambiguous here. He's actually messing with people. Yeah. Oh, you meant this? Okay. I can make that exact thing happen. It's almost that exact phrase. When Desdemona learns what happened, she says, no, I don't want to give him the gift of gargoyle. Turn all the gargoyles back into humans. And so Puck listens to her and turns the group, the main characters, the gargoyles, into humans instead. And when she learns this, Puck just goes, oh, you meant those gargoyles? Like, that's the exact word as you're saying, like, oh, you meant this? Puck says, oh, those. I see. You, were, you just weren't specific enough. Oops. Yeah. Yeah. Those Shrug. gargoyles. I thought you meant your, your friends, the gargoyles. <laughs> of this show, the gargoyles. The title of the show. <laughs> Um, so in addition to capturing a spear, I think they also do, they play with the language well and they make it very modern. They like take Shakespeare in English and (laughs) bring it into an action oriented cartoon show. Um, Puck begins a fight and says, humans love a, or mortals love a battle hardy. So does Puck. Come on, let's party. (laughs) And not all Shakespeare is versed in that way, but I mean, this in the end is a children's show, so Shakespeare means it must rhyme, and mm-hmm. and then we have 
lovely verses like that. <laughs> because I think if you whittled down the concept of something Shakespeare, you have a very specific accent that people put on, you know, mm, this high minded, is, highbrow thing, which is completely inaccurate. Yeah. I was going to say, um, but you put people on, do it. you put on a voice, you put on an air and then you make everything rhyme, which is not what Shakespeare True. was all about, yeah. but that's the shorthand for something Shakespearean. We did it at the opening of this podcast because mm -hmm. that's what's to be expected. It's the cultural code, right? And, Speaking of the cultural code, that's the cultural code. So, and then you take these um, complicated plots and reduce them through the funnel of code and find out the code of it. You get something where the easy joke, the easy parody, something like um, when we go to The Simpsons, which is just a straight on parody of Hamlet mm. um, in. Season 13, episode 14, Tales from the Public Domain. Delivers exactly what it promises. Which is really fun. I mean, they go through and have Homer's Odyssey as one of the oh. things that they do. Which is really... Which I think everyone's waiting for for 13 seasons I, to happen. Yes. But I do enjoy that Homer's like, is this a story of when I, we rented that van? That's, I did love <laughs> that one joke. And he's like, I love that car. Homer's Odyssey. Um, but then they do uh, Joan of Arc with Lisa as Joan of Arc, which is fun, which is bending things a little bit because it's sort of historical and sort of not. And you get a little bit complicated there. But then we do Hamlet because why not do Hamlet? Um, and then they whittle Hamlet down to they take all the psychological stuff out of Hamlet and just make fun of what the story is down at its core, which is the son of a king sees the ghost of the king. And, you know, based on the word of the ghost, goes off and tries to kill his uncle, who's wrongfully usurped the throne by killing the king. Perfectly cast as Mo Sislak. Of course Mo would be Claudius. Of course he would be. Because in the story of this, you when you're doing a parody of Shakespeare, um, or you're doing a parody of anything, you know, whether it be Wizard of Oz or whatever, you have to take the characters of the show that you have and find the right surrogates. So in the show of The Simpsons, Mo in makes in many times makes very clear that he loves Marge and would very easily take over that relationship if Homer were not in the picture. Mm -hmm. So, of course, he would have that. So, and Mo would be the person who would commit murder in order to get what he wants. In a world where that was okay. In a world where that was okay, Mo would be not above murdering somebody, his best friend, to take his wife. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, yeah. they are brothers. Uh, you know, they are kindred spirits in very many mm -hmm. ways, Homer and Mo. But, um, but it does open up. It's just start the story just on the king is dead. And now here's his ghost talking to his son. So Homer flying in through the stone wall, leaving ectoplasmic residue, um, green slime for those non-Ghostbusters <laughs> fans, leaving green slime as he 
leaves and re-enters into Bart's Bart as Hamlet's room, um, which that one joke will be paid off at the very, very end of the, the, the parody, which is fun, but they, they take it as to, it's all about this ghost relationship. It's not psychological or anything. They just play with that first right out of the gate about this mm-hmm. ghost, you know, and he tries to strangle Bart. I think that's my favorite joke from this episode. Right. A ghost trying to strangle Bart. And be uh, on a... uh, uh, no. <laughs> uh, and then we go into the, we go straight to the trap. So we go from like the end of act one of Hamlet, which is meeting the ghost. That's like, we start at the end of act one and jump straight to essentially act five, act four. End of act three. Yeah. It's end of act three, the play within the play. Um, so we're jumping really fast because we're not doing a whole episode of the Simpsons. They didn't devote a whole episode, a whole 20 minutes. We're in a treehouse of horror ish, you know, show where we're doing a few episodes. So we have about a five minute window to create the story of Hamlet. Mm-hmm. So a show that can be done. I think beautifully done by Kenneth Branagh, you know, in four hours, we're reducing it to five minutes. Oh, don't give me that face. It's a gorgeous film. It's in 70 millimeter. It's pretty. It's in 70 millimeter. It's really well done. I'll give you that it's pretty. (sighs) I watched all the Hamlet movies for my English thesis in college. We can have this fight. I don't want to have a fight with you. I just, this Hamlet's my favorite play. Okay. Okay. And my favorite play. So I expected a lot more from the Simpsons in this. I I do like the end uh, to the point where I've conflated the end joke with actually happens in the play where Marge sees everyone dead around her. Like I'm not cleaning this up and like hits herself with a mace. <laughs> kills, and kills herself. Kills herself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they just have to rapid fire it and take us through major plot points that everyone knows. So cut out everything. There's no Horatio character in it. It's just very, very simplified. Ophelia, like, I'm not going to be outdone and just jumps out the window and kills herself. <laughs> Lisa acting characteristically non-Lisa in that moment. Yeah. But also ignoring the fact that Bart and Lisa are brother and sister and, yeah, you know, yeah. the characters in Hamlet would be lovers at that point. Maybe the statement is it's never meant to work between Ophelia and Hamlet. Maybe it's an artistic choice. I don't buy it. I think I've, I feel like they got Lisa because Lisa is the only girl there, but I feel like it would have been better played, but there's no other character that's set up as a nice surrogate for that character if they'd done lisa's horatio i would have liked that Mm. but we still don't have a love interest because bart never really has a love interest that is a character that stays bart's love interests are always teachers or substitute teachers or girls who are older than him you know i'd love to see mrs corbapo as ophelia or you bring back one of the characters from way you know that we've forgotten about and then he's like, wait, who are you? I'm Ophelia. 
<laughs> like, what are you doing back here? Like, I'm playing Ophelia. Why can't? And then we could go. Why can't Lisa do it, dude? She's your sister. Like, I think we could have done a couple of fourth wall breaks to bring back yeah. an old character as Ophelia. I I could see that. But I think that would be that's like two minutes of screen time in in a five minute thing that we we don't have that much time. We don't have that luxury of time to do it. Yeah. Which I think the speaking of adaptation and needing to fill your your the characters of your world into the story, the third Family Guy Star Wars parody, they do essentially that joke where they run out of characters and they have the characters of American Dad and the Cleveland show filling in for Star Wars characters because they've used up all the Family Guy characters. It's like a whole <laughs> exactly two minute bit, like, why are you here? We used up all the characters from your world. Oh, that fast? We ran out of people? Like, yeah, it's really sad. And it just goes on and on and on. And that's the only part that I remember from that special. <laughs> so, again, to recap in this. <laughs> so, when you're doing a Shakespeare reference, it can be parody, like the Simpsons did, where you're taking the world and bending it to your own purposes um, and just making fun of a story that we all know or that most of us have an idea on what it's about. If we all don't know Hamlet, I think we all have an idea on what it is. So I find it odd that even in this parody, there wasn't a to be or not to be speech, that that didn't make mm -hmm. it in somehow. Like the one thing that we define as Hamlet was not touched on. I mean, it's like a seven minute parody. I know. Again, I'm just saying, like these touch points in what we know of these plays, the to be not to be speech, if someone does says, oh, um, let's do a parody of Hamlet, the things that you would have in Hamlet would probably be to be or not to be somewhere, Ophelia drowning, and you'd probably have to do the alas, poor Yorick joke somewhere. So those three things, you know, the gravedigger scene, Ophelia's going crazy slash death and the to be or not to be speech are the three things that people who don't have an intimate knowledge of Hamlet at least can figure out those three things that, oh, they're doing Hamlet. I would say the Yorick so much that if someone was doing a Shakespeare thing that they would hold a skull like that. Yeah, that's become shorthand for I'm in a Shakespeare, Shakespeare. thing is I'm holding mm -hmm. a skull and talking to this skull. I'm contemplating death. <laughs> Hold this skull. Like one thing that I do every year uh, around winter time. This is Just hold a skull. This is a true story. Contemplate death. No, 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 not contemplate death. I mean, as the world is dying in many ways, but <laughs> I'm saying when it's snowy, I will always make a snow skull and start doing the alas, poor Yorick. I knew him, Horatio. A fellow of infinite jest of most. It was, it's just fun. That's how I have fun with snow, is I make a skull and do the Alas Poor Yorick oh. speech from Hamlet. Oh, so dramatic. That, hey, I have to do something in the middle of shoveling. That's because there's usually a piece that ends up being a perfect shape, and then you just have to do a little bit of shaving and you end up with a skull. Okay, now I'm the weird one. Now I'm the weird one this episode. <laughs> Fine. It's your turn. It's been a while. <laughs> so we have we talked about parody. 
Illusion. Mm-hmm. Talk, talk to us a little bit about Illusion. Uh, it's really just when you make... Uh, what's a good example of a quick reference to Shakespeare? Um, <sighs> anytime any character ever says et tu Brutus. Mm-hmm. In reference to Julius Caesar. When a character feels betrayed. Like et tu Brutus is just symbolic and iconic of betrayal now it's not even shakespeare it's just its own thing that's an illusion yeah you're borrowing something that's so iconic that tells your point and you don't really care that it's shakespeare you just care about where it's rooted in our culture Mm -hmm. so i'd go with that um yeah and then name drop illusion parody yeah and name drop i think adaptation gargoyles does a little bit of Illusion slash name drop. I think it's more adaptation. Adaptation. Yeah. Maybe some illusion. I feel like the Weird Sisters are more illusion than adaptation. But, I mean, they're they're taking out those characters and using them specifically for their purposes. So they're, they're hopefully taking what we know about them and then giving us something different and changing it to match their world and... It's a little bit like what Disney's doing with Once Upon a Time on yeah. ABC, which is, hey, we all know these stories. Let's all just, let's put them in a blender and bring them all together as if they're one large universe. What if Frozen and Hansel and Gretel were the same thing? I'm making that up. <laughs> it's, it's like they took our ideal, our idea for the uh, Wheel of Crossovers and put only fairy tales on it. And then made a TV show out of it. Yeah. Aladdin is coming next season, apparently. So they did their frozen thing. Yes, it's still on. How many seasons has that been going? Well, Netflix just put on the most recent season. So which is number five? Only five. Six. Five or six. It feels like eight. In our heart, it's eight. Anyway, <laughs> what was your favorite thing that we talked about today? Mm, uh, I like, well, we didn't really talk about it, but it's in the episode, The Mirror of Gargoyles, <laughs> of course. Um, they take the fitting Shakespearean punishment for villain and apply that to gargoyles in the Puck way. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, Puck is so entertained and he's freed and... Desdemona, I'm sorry, Demona has no power over him. She goes, just leave, leave me alone. And Puck says, I want to reward you and thank you for the good time that I had. And she says, just go. And Puck says, okay. You said you don't want to turn to stone at night anymore? You don't have to. Fine. Don't turn to stone at night. Or don't turn to stone during the day. You're going to be free. Magic. Ding, 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 ding. And so then the fitting punishment is that during the day, instead of turning to stone, Demona turns into a human, which is what she hates the most. I like that's a good twist. Good job, Gargoyles. Good on ya. <laughs> what about you? My favorite thing is the end of the episode for Simpsons where Homer's talking about and then they turned the story of Hamlet into a movie called Ghostbusters. And then for no reason <laughs> they start playing the Ghostbusters theme and Homer starts dancing, even smacking his backside. And just does this really random Homer dance. And you're just like, wait, what? What? <laughs> 
So <laughs> it's it's like a really, um, I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of joke it is. It just made me laugh because I was like, wait, what? It's a Homer joke. It's just a yeah. typical Homer joke that this has nothing to do with anything that just happened, but we're going to do it and we'll just play the Ghostbusters theme, which is a little bit like making a Shakespeare reference just to make a Shakespeare reference and hoping that it carries the weight of the whole Shakespeare <laughs> play by saying the word like Romeo, like exactly having the theme of Ghostbusters. Here we'll have the theme of Ghostbusters and hopefully your love of Ghostbusters will be carried through and you will laugh at this joke because you love Ghostbusters so much. It's like we will have the entire weight of Shakespeare behind us if all we do is say Romeo and Juliet. Ooh, that was difficult. We did it. So that's that's the that's the ultimate name drop. I think it happens a lot in pop culture now where hopefully if we say the name of the thing It'll have the weight of the thing, and uh, we won't have to do a lot of hard work with it. It's a make-your-own-joke kind of thing. Yeah. Clever line of dialogue, clever response, name drop of something, and then in your head you can imagine the cutaway that they would do if they had chosen to film that. Exactly. Awesome. So what do we uh, have for homework time? homework time next time we are talking about star trek the animated series we are gonna boldly go where writers get animated has not gone before and you can check this out on netflix there are a couple episodes we're talking about season one episode two yesteryear season one episode four more tribbles more troubles and season two episode four the counterclock incident and also some other fun stuff in there so check those out for your homework star trek that was creepy yeah sorry <laughs> if you were creeped out please tell us about it on twitter at wg animated on facebook facebook.com slash wg animated or writers get where you can also view our show notes and forget all about chris's creepy voice as always thank you to nigel kutinov our engineer and thank you to jacob reed for the music we will See you next time. And if we, if we have yet offended, yet offended, yet offended, I forget, I forget how the quote goes. Never mind. I was going to do a midsummer night stream thing, but I, I failed at it. If we shadows have, have offended, offended, think but this and all is mended, mended that you have but slumbered here. And because you left your podcast on and while you were and it just, in bed. And it just trailed off. And now you're waking up going. confused as to what we're talking about. What is this? They're wake up! <laughs> you can't say wake up because now I have to say good night, everybody. Oh. Good night, everybody. Wake up. Good night, everybody. Oh.